um, while you're grabbing that. I'm always grateful to be here, and um, it's been a good year thus far, um, challenging, but good. Um, you know, uh, last time we were here, we were in negotiations with a property, and um, and it was interesting that the Lord um, allowed us to wait patiently for over two years for that place to see it basically fall through or come to nothing. But um, God opened up another door where um, some of you guys came and helped us move our stuff back in um, the end of January. And we moved out of a six-car garage, a first floor of apartment, and um, over to... Um, to lease a 12,000 square feet of property for less than what we pay at our, our, at our current place at the time. And uh, we've seen God do some incredible things. But um, moving in there was fun because um, we moved all our stuff, pretty much 90% of our stuff there. And then after moving that in, um, the tenants that were in that building refused to get out. And so... The people that own the property, the Reformed Church that owns the property, had to go through due process to evict, sad to say, a church from the property because they would, were not willing to leave. And so we had planned to be in there February 2nd. However, um, in doing so, we had the um, building dedication plan for April 5th. Um, we had a couple of people coming in from out of town and so forth. And so we ended up not even moving into the building until April 2nd and had just pretty much four or five days to turn it around, set up a sound system, and then lights, camera, action on this dedication. And so there's a couple of pictures there. Um, If you can just show a couple of the pictures, that's the building there. That's what it looked like when we first walked in the place and, and so forth. This is a fellowship area with his kids' classrooms as well as there. Then you see some of the stuff, a kitchen, um, one of the classrooms before we decorated and cleaned up and changed up the stuff. So you'll see that there. There's a teen center that uh, needs the repairs in because they ripped all the ceilings out now for pipe repairs. It's my office before. Um, and that's what the rooms look like now in um, the work that we've been able to do there. Um, this is one of, this is the nursery. <laughs> when those um, people came and hand-painted a lot of that stuff. Um, this is a parting of the Red Sea room. And um, it's coming together. And the kids um, are having a good time there. That's what my office looks like now. And um, that was last week's service. And that's the fellowship hall there being utilized and so forth and so um it's been good but that's not all like you know just because you have a building like you you know some people think oh well now we've arrived you know but um I think it just allows us to do more um and um gives us the opportunity to serve the community in um, greater measures and so I'm thankful for that and so if you have your bibles um and, you know, in the respect of that, your church has been a, a great resource and a great extension to the help of that um, taking place there. You know, the sound system, you know, we set up the sound system 
And um, you would think like our church has a lot of money, but you, it was your sound system that was given to us and, and the old screen that you used to use in the high school. And so people coming in saying, man, like, where'd you get, <laughs> you know, um, we just been blessed. And so we thank you and we're so grateful for um, just all that, um, that God is using you guys to be a part of um, just the kingdom work of, up in the north area. And so if you have your Bibles, it's First Peter chapter 1. We'll be picking up from verse 13. We're looking here and Peter um, just writing to believers um, as they're journeying through life and And he picks up in verse 13 and he says, therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children, not conforming yourself to the former lust in your ignorance, but as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct because it is written Be holy, for I am holy. And Father, as we read this passage here, we ask, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts. You'd go before us, that you would have your way in our midst. And Lord, that um, you would meet us where we are. We commit these things to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. In these first couple of verses, as you look here, what we find is, first, Peter exhorting us in several aspects. But the first one, he says, gird up the loins of of your mind. Here in the, old, in the New Testament is the only place that you'll find this word gird. And it just speaks to in the respect of, you know, someone rolling up their sleeves, getting, you know, to business, if you may. And, and in here, as you look, it's in preparation, you know, prepare your mind for something. You know, in the old times, then when they would say, gird up the loins, you know, your pants, they would be, you know, not like today when we see uptown you know, or up north, kids are sagging low. But, you know, <laughs> before they would run, they would have to pull up their pants all the way, right? If not, they'd be doing a penguin run, right? But, um, but here it was like your, 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 your overtrial would be low and then they would pull it up before they would take off and run or be going on any long journey. And here he's saying, look, hey, gird up the loins of your mind. And if anything, look, hey, be, before we do anything that's going to count for the kingdom or anything of that nature, we have to get our minds in the right place. Amen? Oh, we are here today. <laughs> so he says, hey, gird up the loins of your mind. The second thing he says, look, be sober. Be sober. Now, what do you mean, be sober? Well, it's the opposite of intoxication. We know that. But also, look, hey, exercise self-restraint. And your mind and your heart have to be in that place before you even do such a thing. But if you're not sober-minded, what's going to happen is you'll make the wrong decisions that you may have made if you were sober. And so here, as you look here, he says, look, be sober in other words, and you may ask today, why? Why do I want to be sober? Well, we think, I think we find it a couple of answers here in this book. First Peter chapter 4 verse 7 says, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. How are we living our Christian life today? Are we living with this exhortation? Hey, and being serious about our Christianity. 
Or we just say, you know, today's another day. Today's another Sunday. Today's another, I guess, midweek is Wednesday here. Wednesday, today's another, you know, jolly old day in my Christianity. But here, look, understand this. Hey, he says, hey, be serious. Be watchful in prayer. That's one of the reasons here as we look here because what? The end of all things is at hand. Do you know today, church, that we are living in the last of the last days? Anybody agree with that? I believe that. And here, as you see, hey, he says, look, this is the time to be serious about things. And hey, not only that, but 5, 8, you also see, he says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, just in case we didn't know who he was, he says he walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And no question, if your mind and your heart is serious about the things of the Lord, the enemy will sit back and wait. And he'll plan and he'll strategize. But know that he's walking, prowling, and waiting for you to slip when you're not sober, when you're not thinking in the right respect. And here, as you look here and you see, he says, hey, look, first of all, hey, roll up your sleeves. Let's get busy about this thing. Secondly, hey, leave anything that's going to alter your thinking to the side. Leave that alone. And then he says, here, look, hey, rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Understand this. In warfare, we need to have the minds that are ready for holiness to be put to action. So often we're waiting, you know, for the situation to occur to get ready. It's too late. But as we get our hearts ready, as we have our minds ready, as we're ready for battle, as we're living our Christianity, I believe in offense opposed to defense, we already know what to expect. You know, last, um, last week we walk into our new location is not out of the hood, if you want to call it that. It's still in the hood. Right. And when you walk down to the corner of the church, there's another project development. And so we're new to the community and we walk into the neighborhood there as we want to introduce ourselves. We want to be proactive. We don't expect the church to come to the church or the people to come to the church, but the church should be going out and reaching the people. And so if that's the case, we walk into this place and I introduce myself to one guy I remember distinctly. I said, hey, what's your name? He said, my name is Uzi Clip. (laughs) Now, just think about that. For some of you who may not know what a Uzi is, (laughs) you put the clip in the gun and it's a machine gun that shoots and shoots and shoots. This is the guy's name. That's where we're starting at. His name is Uzi Clip, at least that's what he's telling me. But as we see, as the conversation builds, the blessing is, look, he told me at the end of the conversation that his name was Marquise. And we build a good start into a new relationship. I walk into one building at that same night, and there's a guy with a bag of crack in his hand. And he's like looking at me like a deer in front of headlights, like, what are you doing here? He doesn't know who I am. I walk up the steps. 
And I say, hey, we're not here to stop you from doing what you're doing or anything like that. We're here to introduce ourselves to people here. Hey, you know, just um, passing the church now or down the street and so forth. We want to get to know you. We want to pray with you. We want to talk to you and stuff like that. And the guy just began to open up his heart how he wants and needs change. And we prayed together with crack in his hand. Now here, you know, the devil doesn't like that. And so we see situations that come up in the midst of that, you know. There's trials that come up in the, in the other side of that, you know. Some people don't want you there, you know. The community, one guy said, oh, you guys, oh, you guys are from my church. He said, no, you're the guys that stole our church. We didn't take anything. <laughs> and so here, as you look at this here, don't miss this. Very important. First, get your minds in the right path. Gird up the loins of your mind. Secondly, hey, be sober. Thirdly, he says here, look, rest your hope fully, entirely, completely, if you may, steadfastly on the, what does it say? Upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Where's your hope at today? Are you really trusting That it's the grace, not your performance, the grace that is going to be brought to you and me, the believer, the church, the professing Christian, the one who is living their life, abiding in Christ, who has received the finished work of the cross into their life and the, the shed blood that has been provided for us. Are you resting your hope fully upon the grace that is going to be? will be brought to you and I at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Look, notice here what he says here, 14, in verse 14, he says, as obedient children, notice what he says here, not conforming yourself to the former lust as in your ignorance. Here, first thing we see here, not conforming yourself. In other words, hey, you remember your former lust? For some of us, it was sex, drugs, and rock and roll. But you know, not for everyone. There are some people that may be sitting before me today that were just very moral in their life. And their, you know, former lust may have been just to be a good person and just to live, you know, just um, successfully in life and just to have just money and so forth like that. But here, as you look here, he says, look, not conforming yourself to your former lust. Now, when in the world are you saying here? Look, first of all, understand this. Romans 12, you know it. Write it down. Get your pad, get your pen if you want to take notes. But verses 1 and 2 say, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And he says, hey, and do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Here, look, why do we want to do that? That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, when you look at this here, think about this with me. First off, hey, the world tells us to do what? Chase, you know, don't work 40 hours, work 60 hours. You know, don't, don't have a little savings. Have a bunch of savings. You know, it, 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 don't have one house. Have three houses. You know, and, and we live a life and we may have one house and then we have the summer house. 
And then, you know, we have to maintain all of that too. And the more we accumulate, you know, it was John Piper who said, hey, you know, the, the end of somebody's life was just two retired people walking down the seashore and all they were doing was collecting seashells and that was their life. I don't want to be known for that. And I pray that that's not what you live for. Not as believers, like, hey, you know what? Hey, you know, they love to go away and collect seashells for the rest of their life. That was what they did. Those seashells are going to go somewhere, maybe back to the sea after you pass away. But here, as you look here, the call is this. The call is to present your bodies as living sacrifices. Holy and acceptable unto God. Look, 1 Peter 4, 2 says that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of men, but for the will of God. Can you honestly say today that you're living for the will of God in your life? Hey, I'm living for God's will. I'm living there. I'm walking in that. I'm abiding in him. I'm living for what he's called me to do. Hey, if we see that verse 14 declares about an outer life, see what the inner life speaks of in verse 15. He says, but as he who has called you is holy. Now, what in the world is that? Holiness is just a simple word for or an exalted word for set apart. But I think sometimes we miss that because, you know, when we look at this word and we see, hey, to he who has called you is holy, you be holy here. Look, blameless in our hearts and our life, pure, upright and morally clean. We understand that. But sometimes I think this is what we miss. We miss that this is not the end of all Christianity. Oh, I live moral. I live Christian. I live Christ. As far as, you know, I'm set apart from the things of the world I don't do. And we start to focus on all the things that we don't do. And we say, man, now I've arrived. But here, as you look here, understand this. If that was the case, then Jesus would call you home already. He'll say, hey, you know what? You, you've achieved morality. Come on home. Because what's the purpose in living here for? But I believe here as you look and even as you look back as even in, in, in the Old Testament and throughout the scriptures, hey, there was a call and the call was to be holy. He's called you to be holy for a purpose. And this is what I believe as you look at this. The goal of holy living is for power. And that power is to be effectively used by God. You say people are being used. But are you being effectively used by God? And I believe that purity in life equals power in your public life. So if your inward life is pure before God, it will be effective in other people's lives. And here, as you look and you think about this, hey, we often think that being set apart means separation from the world. But understand this, it is not being separated as in contact, but really the reality that you would see here is that it is 
being in contact with the world without being contaminated by the world. Big difference. You see, because if we just live separated from the world and then we move here and just we stay in this place, what happens to everybody else that God has called us to and put in our sphere of influence? And here, we're not answering the call. Hey, be separate. Yes, live a life separated from the things of the world, but it was all with a purpose unto the Lord. Hey, as you look at Numbers chapter 6, the Nazarite vow, it was a free will of a a surrender to the Lord, but there was a call. Look, there was separation from drink. There was a separation from a razor upon your head. There was a separation from, you know, touching a dead carcass. But every time it spoke of there, not just separation from, but unto the Lord. And it's just the same thing that Paul uses in the New Testament when he says, put off, but put on. And here, as you look at this, don't miss this here, because even Paul says this in Ephesians chapter one, I mean, five, verse one. He says, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. Hey, you want to imitate God. Hey, you want to imitate Paul. Remember, Paul said even this, hey, imitate, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Now we look at Christ as the most holiest man that ever lived on this earth, perfect, sinless. But what was his life? It wasn't separation from the world. In fact, it was very much contact with the world. Newsflash. I think it was the Pharisees that really wanted to be separated from the world. We need to be careful that we don't get all this knowledge, do all this church stuff, and be separated from a dying world. Are we answering the call? Are we answering the call to be holy? Because there's no reason why God wants us to be pure and right. Look, hey, even Leonard Ravenhill said the world is not looking for a new definition of Christianity. They're looking for a new demonstration. And when the people of this world see some people walking in Holy Spirit power and just with boldness to stand in the midst of things and not even worry about what their threats are or, or you might lose your job or all this stuff that the world wants to throw at you and you and I. And what happens is this. We start to conform our minds no longer sober, but we're starting to rest on what we see the world saying. Instead of what we know the commission is. Be careful. And here as you look at this here, don't miss this. Hey. He goes on and he says, in your conduct. In your conduct. What is conduct? Hey, it's your your action, our life. Be holy in all your conduct. Good word there. In all your conduct. You know, it's not time to put on Christianity when we come to church. 
In all your conduct, whether you're at home. You know, yesterday, I believe it was, a wife and I watching a movie, and it was showing how there was a lady that had taken in some kids, and this lady put on the Christian face when she was in public. But in the house, she mistreated the children. And that's what they knew as Christianity. And they said, if that's Christianity, I never want anything to do with it. But hey, in all our conduct, be holy. You know, hey, are we just telling our children, hey, do church. Or are we sitting and having, how many of us are having family devotions with our children? Hey, if the little church is doing well, the big church is going to do well. The little church is your home. But if we're neglecting family devotion and time to just pouring into our children, you know what's going to happen when we come here? We'll be pulling from our emptiness. And so here, as you look at this, don't miss this very important piece here. Hey, he says, hey, in all your conduct, in all your ways of your life, hey, it should be conducted because it is written, be holy for I am holy. We see that several times, Leviticus chapter 11, 44, if you're taking notes, 45, 19, 2, 20, verse 7. But we also see here, he says in verse 17, and if you... Call on the Father who, without partiality, judges according to each one's work. Conduct yourself throughout the time of your stay here in fear, knowing that you were not redeemed with, the, with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by traditions of, from your Father, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundations of the world, but we, I mean, but was manifested in these last times for you, who through him believed in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Now, as you look at this, and I think of this word conduct being repeated there, and I can't help but think, when I was a kid, the conduct report would go out. The first conduct report was always a couple of days after my birthday. My parents would wait until the conduct report came before they gave me anything for my birthday. It was bad birthdays. That conduct report goes out. And, and here he's saying, look, hey, how am I conducting myself? And here, understand this, how are we moving about life? Here, as you look, he says... This is how you want to live in holiness. You want to live in this respect. Conduct yourself through the rest of your time here. The rest of your stay here on this earth in what? Fear. And we kind of take this word and, and, and kind of done some disjustice to fear. Or how we treat God. But understand here how we move about life. Your stay here as sojourners if you may. 
And this word could be translated as we see in First um, Peter chapter 2, verse 11. He says here, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust, which wars against your soul. Abstain from it. It wars against you now. Hey, you know what? I understand. You might be, you know, living, you know, celibate if you're not in uh, a marital relationship. You may be living faithfully to your spouse. But I'm speaking today of the other things that war against your soul. The other things that lust against your flesh. Like, hey, you know what? Ah, forget about going to Bible study. I've heard that already. Oh, forget about the little kids ministry. Or forget about the bake sale. Oh, somebody else will do it. I'm speaking on those things today, and those are the things that I think we often neglect and think like, hey, let somebody else do it. But I'll tell you something. If the body doesn't come together locally, we're going to miss all that God has put before us, and we're going to miss out on all that God wants to do in and through your life personally. You look at the disciples, they served the Lord. And you think of even the count when they fed the, the 5,000. And you see them distributing and they'll come back to Jesus and so forth. You see them giving it out and they're coming back. What happens to them? You know the story. What happens to them at the end? They pick up 12 baskets full. They're blessed. And I think a lot of times we're missing out even on just regular blessing from the Lord. Just a, a sense of joy and peace in the Lord because... You know what? We're really not giving of ourselves to the Lord in this respect. And so here, as you look at this, hey, he says, look, as sojourners, conduct yourself in this respect. Look, the rest of your stay here in fear. Now, this word can mean to flee from in a respect of terror, reverence, respect and honor. But I know you've seen the shirt. I've seen the shirt. We've seen it. Jesus is our homeboy now. And we kind of like, oh, yeah, you know, we take the grace thing and we just say, oh, yeah, 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 I got grace, whatever, whatever. But are we answering? Because God is speaking. But are we listening? And, you know, sometimes what we have done in our Christianity, I just want to be honest with you, a lot of times what we have done in our Christianity is what we, we, we feel we want to do, we put a tag on it. Hey, God is calling me to do this. But is God really calling you to that? Or is that you? And I believe you and I need to be careful that we test those things to confirm that, hey, this is God and this is not me. Because normally, I know my experience is this. The things I normally don't want to do are the things that God is telling me to do. And it's not easy saying, okay, for example, even moving this place, I didn't never want to go to this community. I was okay on the other side of the railroad tracks. But God had to get at me and say, hey, you didn't even inquire of me and you call me you're a servant. You call, you call yourself a servant of the Lord. Servant has no rights. He says, here I am. And if he's calling us to be a living sacrifice, here we are, Lord. I'm here. What do you need? But sometimes we take our servanthood to a different place. Well, this is what I will do, and this is what I will not do. 
Now what do you want me to do? <laughs> now here, understand this. Hey, it was through a series of events that God, I just, I just needed to know that I know that I know, God, you're telling me to go over here. Because I had personal biases. had personal issues. Oh, you know what? It's nothing but Portuguese people over there. I don't know that language. But until I prayed and God revealed himself, even a man standing on the very property two times with a jersey from an outreach that we carry out on the other side of town. This guy opens his shirt, asking for a shirt with sleeves. He opens it up. I'm saying, what are you doing with that shirt on? It was incredible to me. To the bus station, people of all kinds of nationalities coming off the bus. To God speaking clearly through his word and saying, here is the place that I want you didn't even know that we were going to get less on the rent until after we agreed. And so here, just seeing, hey, God, I'm here and I'm available to you and I'm going to conduct myself in fear. I want to live with yes, sir mentality. Not, oh, I'll do this for you if I want to today and tomorrow, forget about it. And so here, as you look at this, In verse 18, he says, knowing that you were not redeemed, set free, that word is. It says, hey, not by, you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received, notice, by traditions of, um, by traditions given from your fathers. That literally can be given from fathers. But here, the traditions, what are your traditions? Sometimes our traditions, you know, is get up, get, and make sure you, you know, for me, I know that my father, my grandfather was, they're workaholics. And so, you know, we work. We get up, we work. And those are not bad things. But understand this. There is a place, again, where God is calling us to walk and answer his call. And sometimes I think, well, my father or my mother told me to do this, and this is what I have to do. Look, even to alter your call. When we first started in Newark, it was my father that said, man, you better leave those crazy people alone. I had to go in the closet and ask God, what is he saying? And then reading through Philippians, he answered. But if I just held his word in esteem, I would not even be seeing what God can and wants to do in that place. And so here, the same thing, hey, you know, be careful of the traditions that is given to us by our fathers. But verse 19, it says, but with the precious, this is what you've been redeemed by, the precious, take note of that, the costly, the highly esteemed blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. If you're taking note, you want to cross-reference, you want to see this, Leviticus chapter 1, he is that lamb. John the Baptist called him it in um, first, I mean, John chapter 1, verse 29. Hebrews 9, 14 says this, The blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience. Um, conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Verse 20, he says, for indeed um, was for, he for, indeed was for, foreordained before the foundations of the world, but was manifested in these last times for you. 
Now, as you look at this here, what does it mean to be manifested is used in an absolute sense here. And it simply means to be revealed or make known or visible. Look, he made himself known for what? The purpose of you and I. We look at the, the, the person of Christ again. And we see how he has lived and walked on this life. And he said, hey, I always do the things that please who? The Father. Not man. The Father. And here he says, hey, in verse 21 he says... Who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him um, glory so that your faith and hope are in God. 20, since, I'm sorry, 22, since you have purified your soul in obeying the truth through the spirit in sincere love of the brethren. Love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever because all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man as the flowers of the grass. The grass withers and its flowers fall away. But the word of God, the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. Therefore lay aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, all evil speaking as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Now, as we look at this here, as we see, first of all, hey, there's some things here he says that are that you have been born again by and it's not by corruptible seed but incorruptible seed. Now, here he calls us before that to love one another fervently with a pure heart. How are we loving one another? Understand this. Sometimes, and we say we love people, we see them on Sunday, but do we care about them throughout the week? Are we reaching out to people? Are we extending ourselves to people? I encourage you this. Get more involved with people. Know people. You know, people are hurting. Even here in the church, look, we, we can put the makeup on, put the nice haircut. People hurt. People are going through trials. And we need one another. And here he's calling us to love one another fervently. It's hot. It's passionately. And here, understand this. It's with a pure heart. It's nothing, no spin on it. It's pure. It's genuine. And here, look, notice here, he goes on and he says, And we've been born again, not of corruptible things, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. It's the word of God. But look, understand here as we see this and we see that this word endures forever. The call is this. Hey, we get the word. We receive the word, but it doesn't stop there. And I know that you've been taught and you're being taught the word of God. But I, I know this for sure. I know that your pastor is not teaching you the word just to become some big head knowledge people of the word. Am I quoting? Am I saying that right? You agree with that? Okay, amen. Me too. 
<laughs> Even if he didn't, I'm going to tell you, I want him to teach you guys, not for the sake of just knowing the word. We know the word. Are we allowing even Jehovah Witnesses as they knock on your door on Saturday? Or are you saying, oh, well, well, I know they don't agree, but I, I'm not talking to them. That's free evangelism. They come to you. <laughs> you can do this thing in your pajamas. You say, hey, hey, come on in. Hey, welcome. Look, God is bringing people to you. God is putting people in your sphere. You go to the grocery store. You know what? You, wherever you go, there's people that are dying in desperate need of a Savior. And here, as you look here, don't miss this. Hey, it's the Word, and you have the Word planted in your heart. And this, hey, stay close to the Word. Stay near the Word, but apply the Word of God to our lives. Amen? And so here, as you see this, I want to wrap this up in a few seconds. Well, a few minutes, pastor minutes. <laughs> it says, therefore, lay aside all malice. Now here, look, understand, if you look at this here, back from 22 on down, what you find here is several calls. First of all, to live a life of purity. Purifying your souls. Secondly, obeying the truth. Thirdly, have a sincere love. But what we see here also is, hey, therefore, if this is the case, hey, repentance, lay aside, let it go. And here it's not a command, but what it does is it implies this. It says, having laid aside once and for all. Do you see this here? Having laid aside all malice. What does that mean? Wickedness. All deceit. What is that? Crafty or you're trying to get somebody latching them with a bait. It's really not a hook under there. You don't want them to see the hook, but you see the worm. And so here, be careful. Look, he says not only that, but look, lay aside hypocrisy. What is that? Trying to be or act like something that we really are not. If you're not okay today, go to your pastor. Go to the leaders and really be transparent. Say, hey, I'm hurt. I'm going through right now. I need help. I'm at wit's end. Be honest. And here, as you see here, look, he says, without hypocrisy. He says, no envy. Wanting something other people have, more or less. And all evil speaking. In other words, hey, speaking down or slandering, gossiping about people. And he says, Notice, here's the key. Hey, he tells us to get rid of that garbage first. But he says, look, as newborn babes, desire. Desire. What does he mean here? Look, first of all, you want to grow. You want to grow in God. You want to live this life here that he's calling you to. Look, as newborn babes, desire. Now, think about this. You ever see a newborn baby desiring milk? Look here, baby don't talk, baby can't talk, but baby can communicate. It's one of two things when you hear baby crying. Moms, diapers or they're hungry. 
And here, look, notice here, he says, look, hey, I want you, look, as newborn babes, look, have a desire, long for the pure milk of the word. Now, understand this, hey, pure, sincere, unadulterated, hey, are you coming week in, week out, or hey, even in your personal devotional times, are they desiring, are you longing to sit at Jesus' feet? Or is this just, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. So this is what I do. That's religion. God hasn't called you to religion. But he wants a true living life, longing for relationship with you. Think about your newlywed days for the married people. Think about, hey, you know, guys, when, you, when you're desiring to sit at the, the Super Bowl or the, or the NBA championship, hey, I got to see this game. You have a desire to be there and hear the same thing. He says, look, if you don't clean out the junk out of your life, you'll never have the desire for the pure milk of the word. But he says that you may grow thereby. Understand this. This is not speaking of the milk that you see in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 or Hebrews chapter 5. That's saying that you're just immature and you're staying in this baby place. But this is saying, hey, have a long for, like a baby wants that milk, have a long for this desire of this word, the pure milk that you may grow thereby. You want to grow? Hey, put your faith to practice. As you stay in the word, put your faith to practice. And here, notice what he says here in closing. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. You want to grow. You want to be nourished in the things of God. Understand this. Have you tasted? Have you tasted that the Lord is gracious. That word could be translated as in Luke chapter 5 verse 39. Better. Have you tasted that the Lord is better than this world? Have you tasted that he is the, the excellent way? Do you know that? And so here look church. The exhortation is this. Stir up. The hunger in your heart. For more of the things of God. And less of the things of this world. Because the world is passing away. And this day, his return is soon to come. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your living word today. And we pray, Lord, we pray for those maybe here today, maybe far from the reality of even having a living relationship with you. I pray, Lord, that they would put their trust in the precious lamb, the blood that was shed upon the cross. For their sin. That you would pay the debt. That you have paid the debt. Lord that they would trust you. Lord as the one who has stood in the gap. For their sins. And Lord I pray for your people. I pray Lord as they take your word. And they chew on it. And they fast on it Lord. And they feast in it. Lord I pray that you would give them. Power. To walk and apply the things that you've shown them day by day. That they would come with expectancy. Go before this day. We thank you so much for gathering us up this day, Lord, to honor you. To grow in you and to know you more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.